The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, that it is powerful, it goes down into our very deepest being, divides soul and spirit, bone and marrow. So we pray this morning for hearts and minds that are open and accepting of your truth as you send it out to us, Lord, that we might be as the people of Nineveh who believe God and respond in faith, Lord. We pray for Randall as he speaks this morning, that it would be the very words of God poured out into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Nancy. Good morning, everyone. All right, if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Jonah 3, 1 through 5. And um, if you're new this morning, my name is Randall, pastor of Grace City, and been here since the start. So it's pretty amazing to think about uh, three years and what God has done over that time. And from the very start of Grace City, our heart has been to be a church for others, for our community. Um, You know, one of the things about Jonah, and I love this about Jonah, and as we've been studying through this book, It's this simple idea. It's that God didn't want something from Jonah. He wanted something for Jonah. God didn't want something from Jonah. He wanted something for Jonah. And so this whole time, God is shaping Jonah, who is a prophet of God. He's got this title, prophet. But yet what we see is the exact opposite response of what you would think a prophet would do. He is running from the call of God. And he's running from a city that desperately needs God. And so this whole process in the book of Jonah is this, learning to love a city. See, it wasn't in Jonah's heart from the beginning, but God is teaching Jonah as a father would teach a child how to love, how to love. And so now we're in Jonah chapter three, verses one through five. And and here's the message this morning. It's this, the, the voice of God, the voice of God. How does the voice of God shape a rebellious prophet? How does the voice of God shape a rebellious people? That's what we're going to see today in this text. I was talking recently with um, leader, author, uh, Mike Breen, and uh, he was talking about his assessment of San Diego. He says, this is what I think. He's from the UK. And so he, he, he's come to San Diego. He says, this is my assessment of people in San Diego. He says, many come to San Diego to get launched into their life, not to stay and invest in the city. 
He said, just from an outsider's perspective, many of you come to get launched into your life. He says, many young people start here, but eventually leave to the outskirts, maybe somewhere else where there's better opportunities for what he said maybe might be a more comfortable, safe life. But what is God's motivation here for Jonah? Was God wanting Jonah to go to the outskirts and run? Or was he sending him into that city that made him a little bit uncomfortable? You see, in today, as we think about that, could God be calling us to be in our community? Uh, during the Industrial Revolution in the UK, uh, in the mid-1800s, there was something that happened. It was the Industrial Revolution. And so what happened is people from the outskirts of the city started to run towards the city because they saw more opportunity. So they started to leave the, the, the farms, small towns, and started to flock to London, Manchester, other cities. So as more people started to be drawn into the city, which is not too different from what's happening in our current culture, the infrastructure, particularly of London, couldn't handle the, the people, the capacity of people that were coming in. And so the resources and everything, the needs were just too much. They're too much for, for people to handle. And so uh, the leaders of the city didn't know what to do. They were confronted with this huge problem. And what happened in the mid-1800s is that the churches, particularly in London, started to go from the center of the city and run to the outskirts of the city. Many, many moved during that time. But there was one church in particular, uh, Metropolitan Tabernacle, which was pastored by uh, Charles Spurgeon. And he decided, he said, we're not going to do that. We're not going to run to the outskirts. We are going to stay right here. And what he said is, we see this as an opportunity for the gospel, for the good news, for people to know God. And so this church looked at the needs of the people in the city and began to engage with the problems. And this influence quickly spread among every people group demographic in the city. And it got to the point that if this church was not there, the city of London would have been crippled. Now, can you imagine with me for a minute being so invested in the city, being so attuned to the common good for the sake of the gospel for the city? That people who weren't even Christians who would say, I don't even identify with that would say, we miss them. We, we would grieve if they left. Here's the truth. I get constant reminders that I'm not too different than Jonah. I personally am not much different than Jonah because I have moments where I get filled with fear, anxieties, where I get filled with anger. 
And I think to myself, God, I, I can't do this. See, within myself, here's the thing I understand. I don't have the compassion and love that I need to truly be a person for the city. And that's the scary thing that we'd all have to admit, right? That's the starting place, but, but that's where God had to bring Jonah. And so as we've looked at his journey, he has been brought to a very low point. See, we talked about the storm. We, we talked about the dark place that he was in as he was in the belly of the fish. And now we see Jonah dropped off on the shore of the city that he detests. He says, I don't want to go there. And so how does God transform Jonah's into people for the city? Well, it starts with hearing his voice. So again, that's what we're talking about today. Again, our text is Jonah 3, 1 through 5. And as we enter chapter three, Jonah has been, again, on quite a journey. And so commentator uh, Sinclair Ferguson, which I reference many times because he's got some great quotes on this particular text, sets us, up, sets us up like this. Here's what he says. He says, we know nothing about the moment in Jonah's life when he rubbed his eyes and stretched out his hand to make sure that he really was on dry land. The previous 36 hours must have seemed like an eternity to him. The nightmare encounter with the storm and the contacts with the sailors that would seem so vivid in his memory. And yet his own experience of God's power since he had been, had been so profound, so life shattering, they must have seemed like the events of a previous year. He was certainly a wiser and hopefully a better man than he had been merely hours before. To this changed man, the word of the Lord came the second time. You see, what we find in verse one is that the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. Jonah runs. But God comes to Jonah a second time. See, and it's because of God's grace, Jonah is now sent into Nineveh. And so what can we learn from that? Well, there are three ways in which he's sent. The first one is this, and I'm going to give you all three up front if you're taking notes today. The first is Jonah is sent with a gracious message. A gracious message. <clears throat> the second is as a broken messenger. And third, about to experience a radical response. A radical response. Gracious, gracious message a broken messenger, a radical response. And so the first point is a gracious message. Look at verses one and two. And we're gonna read through this together. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Verse one tells us that the word of the Lord again came to Jonah the second time. Now, what is this? What's happening here? What this is, is a fresh start. A new beginning. Grace. You see, again, he's coming to a person who had run from God's calling. Yet, how do you hear God speaking. Do you hear it in a way where it's shaming, guilting? 
Or do you hear the grace in it? You see, even though Jonah ran, God doesn't go over his sins. Jonah doesn't say, or God doesn't say to Jonah, well, I saw you when you were running from me and I know how to track you down. And so go do what I tell you. You didn't listen to me the first time. Are you going to listen to me a second time? See, many times when we think about God, we need to think about what type of tone his voice has. See, we don't get that in the the, the text here. But God doesn't come across to Jonah in a shameful or guilt-filled way. And so when you hear God speaking, do you personally hear the guilt and the shame? I was talking to my son this week. He's eight years old and he's on this martial arts team. And there was this special meeting that was called. We got an email the day before it happened. It was like really late into the night. It's like, hey, we need everybody from the demo team, all parents of students here. We need them to come meet with us. And so there's this big meeting and I told my son, I said, hey, we've got to go run over this meeting. I'm not sure what it is, but we need to go over there. And his face, he just freezes up and he looks down. And I said, what's wrong, buddy? He said, well, there's this meeting. I said, yeah, so? He said, is it about me? Did I do something wrong? And you know, when we get that feeling of just fear and anxiety, because when I look at him, there are times where I have to have these meetings and I'm like, oh no, am I in trouble? Did I do something? You know, what did I do wrong? That's like our first instinct. But God, his voice comes from the outside. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying something different. Not, 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 not different from the, 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 the way in which he's saying, hey, go and do this. It's different than the thing that pops in our head the first time. Am I in trouble? What's wrong with me? Filled with fear and anxiety. Here's the thing, God's words erase shame, guilt, and fear. God is sympathetic in his response to Jonah. And it helps shape Jonah and his view of God. See, God didn't come there to shame him. He wanted something for him, something better. So what does this say about the power of God's words? Well, again, Sinclair Ferguson says, God's word changes us in its own strength. Even when we ourselves are reluctant to be obedient to it, it has power to break down our disobedience and to break us to a new level of submissiveness. It is a kind, gracious breaking that's happening here in Jonah's life as God speaks into it. 
And it's not to say, Jonah, look at how bad you are. But it's to say, hey, I've got something for you that I want you to do, and it's, you're going to be better for it. You're going to be better for it. And that meeting that my son, had, it wasn't about him. <laughs> he didn't do anything wrong. But he needed a father to tell him, hey, you didn't do anything wrong. It's not about you. Right? And so God's word is a gracious message to disobedient people. And his word has the power to come into our lives and to change us from the inside out. It's a loving message. And so now look at verse two. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Jonah is now being sent again into Nineveh with God's message. See, the first time, God didn't say it like this, but he says, I've got a message. Tell them the message that I'm going to give you. He adds that on the end there. That I tell you. Again, this is very clearly and not about Jonah. This is about God. And he's being sent into the city as, second point, a broken messenger. Look at verses three and four. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breath. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, why is it important that God sends Jonah into the city, a broken messenger? Why is it important that he sends him in there? Because of this, because the message of the gospel, Christianity has no room for pride. It has no room for pride. See, God's message is a humbling message. Do you see what he has to go into the city and say to a rebellious people? Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. This is a message that is calling people to humility. It's a message that's calling people to say, you know what, I'm wrong. I need help. It's a message that we need to encounter God's mercy, God's grace, God's kindness. See, Jonah is being sent into the city with this message for a broken people as a broken person. Jonah has been brought low to understand the significance of the message he was proclaiming. See, he needed to know that he needed God's mercy just as much as anyone he was preaching to. Just as much as anyone. He wasn't above anyone in the city. God had to bring him low to show him that. Now he's sending him in there with this message, a broken messenger. Again, Ferguson says, Jonah was not really fitted to be the evangelist to the Ninevites. He had no comprehension of their condition, nor had any true sympathy for them. Jonah needed to be broken, melted, molded, and filled with the love of God for the lost before he would be of any use to God in this field of service. Broken and contrite-hearted, Jonah was precisely the kind of man God could use in Nineveh. It's relatable. It's a relatable message. That we're not just, we're not people that are just above the city, above people around us, but we are in deep need of this same message. 
So in his brokenness, how did Jonah respond? Well, verse three, it tells us this, that he arose, went according to the word of the Lord. William Ernest Henley wrote a poem called Invictus. And in the poem, there's a short little part that says, I'm the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Now, whether Henley meant that there was no regard for God, because I don't think that's true, because there are different parts that people cut out of that poem in particular. Many have hijacked it and said, that's what I'm about. That's my life. I'm the master of my faith. I'm the captain of my soul. And as we looked at Jonah from the start, he was headed on a ship, the captain of his own soul. And God says, no, you're not in charge. You need something more. And so he had experienced this breaking point in the belly of the fish. And he was a broken man that was now surrendered to the will of God. And again, it wasn't that just God wanted something from Jonah, but he wanted something for him that was so much better. Because let's think about this for a minute. Who's writing the book of Jonah? Jonah. And as he's writing, he's willing to say, look at all of my mistakes. Look, it's very much like when David talks in the Psalms, he says, I was just like this brute beast of a person. Angry. Thought I knew the way. Yet God was gracious in his loving kindness. And so God is doing the same thing in Jonah's life. And as he's sent into the city, what happens next? Well, the third point is a radical response. Here's what it says in verse five. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. This message wasn't just for the lowly. It was for the ones who thought they were up here. It was for everyone. And all people responded to this message within the city. Now, Nineveh believes. And what we talked about before is Nineveh was around getting to the point of 100,000 people. In that time, it was considered a very great city to be one of the greatest cities in the known world at that time. And what we see here is that as Jonah shares this message, Repent, (laughs) turn, your wicked ways, there's going to be judgment. Not the most seeker-friendly message, right? Yeah, I really like that message. Thank you, Jonah. Great job, preacher. I loved it. No, wasn't any of that. God does something amazing. Verse five tells us that that a spiritual revival breaks out in Nineveh. 
a people who had no care for God now instantly are seeking God. God, help us. There are two marks to this radical response. It says that Nineveh believed. Verse five, the people of Nineveh believed who? God. Again, the focus here is not on Jonah, it's on God. This doesn't say that Jonah just convinced them and they thought, wow, how eloquent is this guy? He's just such an eloquent speaker. I really like him a lot. We need to believe him. No, it's, it's, it's that simple that Nineveh believed God. I was sitting with a, a friend this week as a pastor and we were talking about just the history of the church and when there was spiritual awakening within the church. And he says, you know the thing about spiritual awakenings, revivals that happen where people really start to have a heart for God? He says that no man can take credit for it. He says, usually like there's some names of people that kind of rise up during that time. But, but and he's like, you talk to anybody during that time, no person could take credit for what was happening. It was because it was God who did it. It was God who moved in a powerful way. You see, ultimately, this wasn't about Jonah's voice to the people. This was about God's voice to the people. And Colin Hansen, who does research on revival, says this, when all hope seemed lost, God moved. The world never escapes the reach of his sovereign care. See, there are points in our lives where we think, man, there's no way that, that God could come through in this moment. But he does. He does. He comes through in the, the moments where it feels like, man, I'm in the belly of the fish. I'm in this dark moment. God moves. So today, whether you believe or not, you might feel like you're in a dark moment where you think there's no way that light could break through in this moment. And I want to encourage you today that God is able. God is able to break through. You might be filled with just fears, anxieties, doubts. And I want you to know that there is a God whose voice is able to speak truth into your life. He's the same God who spoke at the creation when there was chaos. And when he spoke, order. And you might be feeling those fears and those anxieties and thinking, God, I don't know what to do. But he's the God who's able to break out a revival in the hearts of people in Nineveh, which is those, that phrase. See, th this had nothing to do with like, whoa, Jonah's just amazing. Wow. No, this is God and how amazing he is and that he's able to speak to people who are far from him and instantly they turn. A radical response. And so verse five tells us that Nineveh repents. They, they called for a fast and, and put on sackcloth. See, this wasn't an intellectual exercise for Nineveh. Like, oh yeah, God's alive. This radical response was marked by action. They thought to themselves, we need to respond. See, it's much like James 121, or 22 that says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. You see, where does the word of God have a place in our hearts, in our lives? And are we responding to it saying, God, I need this? Jonah was giving a, given a gracious message. 
as a broken messenger. And here's what happened. God saved a city. God saved a city. So just some quick takeaways. What can we learn from this? Number one, God is more for you being like Jesus than you are. God is more for you being like Jesus than you are. We might think that we are like the spiritual catalyst in our lives, right? Like, man, I am just so on fire for God and I'm gonna read the Bible every day and I'm gonna be praying every day and I'm gonna be staying really close to Jesus and I'm gonna be just like Jesus. Here's the thing. That type of attitude will burn you out. It will. Well, it's, it's, it's like good intentions, right? Like I want to be close to God, but we are going off of our strength. We're going off of our ability. And I'm telling you that from experience. It's, it's the, for, I was a youth pastor for eight years. And you know the thing that students just loved? Camp. Camp was Awesome. Camp is amazing. Camp is like heaven. You know, that's where, that's where we really, we wish we could have camp all the time. If I could just hide out at camp, I would be there. Right? That, that's what it was like. And then they had to go back into the real world. Oh, well, I didn't see a youth group this week. Where, where were you at? Oh, yeah, things just got busy, you know. Not really feeling God anymore. Not feeling that high. Can we go to camp again? No, we're not going to camp. Your mom and dad aren't going to pay 350 bucks for you to go again. Like right now, you need to focus in and know that this is reality. This is life. And do you believe, could you believe that God is just as much with you now as he was at camp? You are just actually tuned into his voice a little bit more. And he wants to speak to you just as much now as he did then. And hear me, he's more for you being like Jesus than you are. And so what is it that it takes sometimes for us to have our character developed more into the the image of Jesus? Storms. Being in the belly of the fish. In the moments when we feel like we have been dropped off on shore, maybe even like Jonah, we just feel like we've been like thrown up by a fish on shore really messy, gross. The shore of a new city. And we don't know what to do. We feel lost. And we have to ask ourselves, okay, God, are you still there? And do you love me? But Corey Ten Boom once said, in order to realize the worth of the anchor, we need to feel the stress of the storm. To to, in order to realize the worth of the anchor, we need to feel the stress of the storm. And some of us feel that stress of the, the storm that we're going through. But do you know that the anchor of Jesus is able to hold you firm? And as you're weathering the storm, it's kind of cutting away the junk in our lives. It's exposing some of the things. It's blowing away some of the the fakeness in our lives and saying, here, I'm going to expose these things so I can do something better in you. See, God wants you and me to value the anchor, which is Jesus Christ, more than the fear that the storm produces. He wants us to see 
Jesus' worth and the beauty is that God can get you through any storm that life will throw at you and he is shaping you in the process. See, being a dad and a husband, I've seen it time and time again in my life where those moments where God is just exposing me and saying, Randall, your character's not there. You need to develop. You need to get better. And I say, I can't. I don't have it in me. Help me, God. He says, I'll be there. I'll teach you. That's the God that we serve. And through the process, through God's grace, I become more loving, gracious, patient, generous. It's because God is saying, hey, I'm the teacher. Learning, learning to love, God takes people in. He says, okay, I'm gonna teach you. I'll be your mentor. I, I'll help you out. And I'll give you the strength. So the second point is this. God is more for our city than we are. God is more for our city than we are. That, that's the encouragement for me every day. See, we need to remember that we are incapable of changing a heart, changing the city, changing the world on our own strength. We need God. God, God does something radical in Jonah's life and says, I'm gonna work through you and use you and you don't even understand what's about to happen because here's the thing. He confesses later in chapter four and we'll go through that. But he's like, ah, that's not the response I wanted. God, that's not the response I wanted. I thought you were gonna bring down judgment. I knew you were gracious. I knew you were loving. I knew you were kind. It's, it's kind of a funny interaction because he's talking with God about how mad he was about God being a grace-filled God. But God says, I, I'm more for this city and loving this community than you are. And so when you come to me and you see that, then I will change you. Welsh preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones once said, when the enemy comes in like a flood, it is the Lord who will raise and who does raise the banner. The fact of re revival proves, I say, so clearly again and again, impotence and smallness of man left to himself. I, I can't do it, but God can. He's the hope for our city. And God is more for our community and our city in a way that will enlarge our hearts and make us more compassionate, loving people. It's by his power that we can love the city in Jesus' name. But we gotta go to him. Say, Lord, help me to be this type of person. And so, as we end, where is God sending you? Where's God sending you? It, could God be saying to you, arise, go. I have something important for you. Your life matters. Like, could he be saying that to you today? And then as we start to hear that voice, we say, man, that's a little overwhelming for me, God. I don't know about that. I want to comfort you with this. God's just not a voice up in the sky coming down, speaking to us. What we know that Jonah didn't know at the time is that God wouldn't just be that voice, but the voice became flesh. The voice became flesh. 
You see John 1, 14, 16 through 17 also say this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as this only son from the father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. God is not just some father up there saying, hey, go do this for me. But you and I know that he loved us so much that he came down, took on flesh, became one of us, died for our sins and said, I love you so much. I love this world so much that I will go into the city and sacrifice my very life. As we said before, God the Father will never ask more of you than he did of his own son, Jesus. And his own own son, Jesus, he's he's the hero. And so now we ask that question, where is God sending me? Start with Jesus. He might just be simply sending you to the simple fact of, do you believe? Do you believe? He might be sending you to people that he's saying, hey, maybe these are people that you don't like, you don't necessarily connect with, but I'm calling you to them. And he's trying to change your heart. Again, God is not wanting something from you. He's wanting something for you. And that's the God we serve. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for the gospel, for the good news. Lord, of what you've done for us. And we pray that we will be a people for our community and for our city. Not because we've got the strength within us, but because we have a God who loved us that much that you came to us even when we ran from you, even when we continually run at times. Lord, you just bring us back and you're so kind to us. And we thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for loving us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.